What is up, everybody? Welcome into the official Maze and Brew Hoops podcast. I am Chris Castellani, joined by my friend and boss, Anthony Broom. You probably haven't heard from us for a while, and there's a reason for that. It's because you haven't heard from Michigan Hoops uh, for a while. It's been, it was 23 days uh, in between games for the Michigan Wolverines, their last game, a road win against Purdue. And they just played on Valentine's day yesterday. And Anthony, I'm just, I'm just going to jump right into it. And, and I, it's, I've held back and I try to hold back. Didn't used to as evidenced by much of my early work. I was never someone to, to hold back, but uh, I, this year, because I've been disappointed so many times with so many different teams this year, I've, I've tried to kind of, admire from afar and you know restrain myself in terms of how I view this team I've, I've said from the beginning I think they got a high ceiling that was true I said from the beginning I think they deserved to be ranked when they weren't preseason that was obviously true but I, all year I, as good as they've looked and they've ran some teams out of the gym they've won against ranked opponents they've won on the road I've been hesitant to really kind of but, you know, put my fingers or put my hands in the dirt here and, and make a huge statement. But what Michigan just did on the road against Wisconsin, a game that under regular circumstances would be difficult enough. That's a good team. Greg guards unit there was so impressive that I'm going to say something that I haven't said about a sports team since, I mean, in a while, I think this team can win the whole thing. This performance uh, solidified that. We've talked many times, or I've talked many times, about how, about whether or not this is a team capable of grinding one out, of winning ugly. And they've showed glimpses of it in the past. The defense has improved drastically. But in, uh, in this game, down 14 in the first half, down trailing for 90% of the game, in a game where it seemed like everything was going right for Wisconsin and everything was going wrong for Michigan, the offense was completely lethargic for a large majority of the game for them to do what they just did. I know our, our, our friend and co-host on the brewcast Luke said the most impressive win of the season. And my response was of any season it's up there. I, I have, despite some minor setbacks and how poor the offense looked at points, that is as, as impressive of a win as you're going to see from a basketball team under these crazy circumstances here in 2021 with COVID doing what it's done. Phenomenal stuff. Yeah. I, I'm still, I'm kind of floored by it, which yeah. you, know, you kind of, you come into these podcasts and you look to have a plan and know what you're going to say. I'm still processing that because I got to be honest. I mean, there were, there was a moment, you know, maybe, maybe at halftime, maybe even a couple minutes into the, the second half where you're like, listen, I mean, this is not totally unexpected at all uh, that they were struggling. They, it, it looked, you know, there is a, uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier in the year where they had those 12 days off, which, you know, looks like nothing now, right. But <laughs> um, to where there's a mental fatigue in sitting around and, and waiting for, you know, clarity on your situation. And, and that can lead to, you saw it with tired legs. It, it just looked like that, that gear wasn't there and they were playing hard still, but it just looked like in that first half to me, and even they were just a step slow defensively. Uh, it was funny that CBS had the, the microphones on the rims today because you heard every brick loudly and emphatically. 
And it was just kind of like one of those throw your hands up type of games to go, listen, they haven't played a game in 23 days. What are you going to do? I mean, you're, it, it is what it is. And, you know, to, at a certain point, you know, to come out and, and I know a lot of people are pointing to the, the Brad Davison elbow as the turning point in the game. It certainly felt like an emotional turning point in the game. Uh, but Michigan was still, you know, they were still fighting, still playing hard. And for a lot of that second half was still kind of in that, you know, keeping it in that seven to eight point range. It wasn't really until that last four or five minutes where, you know, like I said, there, there was a moment probably later on in the second half where they were only down by like five, but it seemed like they were still pushing to get it all back at once. And when you're down by, you know, five or six points, you're just, you're a stop and a score away from being, you know, a score away. So for them to be able to fight through all that, to fight through, you know, these were, these were guys that haven't touched a basketball in three weeks prior to earlier this week. They hadn't played a game in, in X amount of days, as we talked about already for them to come out and for it to be, you know, led by Isaiah livers and Franz Wagner and Hunter Dickinson, who that's, that's their big three. That's who they, the, these are their go-to guys. And, and when things are going right, that's going to be, who's leading the charge for them. It, it's just a massive flex of how special the group is, how deep they are, how poised they are, how well coached they are. And, you know, this was an emphatic stamp that, this is one of the three best teams in college basketball and someone who legitimately, legitimately, and Phil Martelli has said this before, he believes that Juwan Howard's going to coach and win on a Monday night in April one of these days. This is a team that looks like it can do that. Yeah, you know, Anthony, and I've never – it's been a long time. Maybe if I don't know if I've ever done this. I was going to give him a mulligan for today. I, I really – because Mich- I've seen how teams, Michigan State – Nebraska. Now this year, I understand Michigan higher caliber of player than those teams, but pretty much every team in the big 10 that's had a long COVID break has come back and played like complete garbage. And that's not them. It is athletes are creatures of, of habit. We saw it happen to the tigers in two different world series. You have those 10 days off, you come back, you play in the fall classic, you look terrible. You know, it, it is. That's a creatures. great comparison. Yes. It, it. Yes. Yeah. Now it didn't happen to the nationals in 2019, but it happened to the tigers twice. I digress, but it, you, you expected that this would um, that it would be something similar, and you saw that in the first half. And the way they looked in the first half, outside of like you said, a few defensive lapses, though I chalk a lot of that up to Big Ten road syndrome. You know, you had a guy who was averaging like six points a game, scores eleven in the first three minutes. Like I, I <laughs> that that t- typical stuff that happens. It happened on the road against Minnesota. We've seen it happen all the time, not just this year, but forever in college basketball basketball yeah especially in in the big 10 but you're right you pointed that out and a lot of people are going to go back to the the brad davidson elbow which and again they won won the game so i'm not going to uh, talk about it too much oh I w- just, i'd love to talk about it okay well do a terrible call, <laughs> a, a terrible call I, I mean i don't the best thing about that uh, it was a terrible call i don't know how you get you take an elbow to the face and then the team that was the perpetrators of said elbow is standing on the free throw line for, for foul shots or technical whatever's Um, it was hilarious after the game. I think it was Brendan Quinn from the athletic who just came straight out and asked Juwan Howard, did you call that next play for Mike Smith or he scored at the other end and he laughed and goes, I absolutely did. So aside from everything I just talked about with, you know, 
the, the ingredients that are there. This is a petty and a self-aware team too. And I identify with that big. Team. Well, it's, it's petty self-aware, but confident. I, I mean, yeah. this team's confidence is a reflection of their coach's confidence. Cause you look at how Juwan was brought in here. It takes a lot of some pretty big stones to go from, uh, you know, a player coach essentially for it, for an NBA team to be thrown into the mix in one of the most competitive conferences in the country. You need to have a fair amount of confidence and belief in yourself to do that. And this team, the way they've played this year has been a reflection of that confidence. Yeah. I don't, you know, I know the argument was it was a basketball move. Xavier Simpson two times last year was called for a technical for grabbing a guy's Jersey. while batting down. <laughs> I, so I don't, that. <laughs> I don't know what, I, I have, I'm still, I still say that that was nonsense, but I don't know. It's like targeting now in football where it's like, it's, they act like there's rules for it. It's basically a judgment call. Now with that said, and Brad Davidson has not done himself any favors. It wasn't intentional. I, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think, no. you know, I know he likes to swing the elbows, but I don't think he was trying to go for, you know, Mike Smith's jawline. They were just it's a physical guy who plays hard brought, exactly. you know, to a yeah. fault. Right now there are in, there's two individuals. You brought up the big three, but there's two guys I want to hone in on. Not the prettiest line of Hunter Dickinson's career, nor will it be 27 minutes, three for nine from the floor. But we talk about this with football, how Michigan has this idea of, you know, we're going to hand it off to running back and we're going to get three, three yards of carry every single time. And then eventually we're going to get to the end of the game and we're going to pop off a big one. It was like that on the boards for Hunter Dickinson today, where he was battling all game and he might, might not have, have, have reaped the benefits of it, but the last six, seven minutes of that game, if there was a ball that went off the rim, odds are it was landing in Hunter Dickinson's hands. And that's, I mean, that's prime example of size. It's also an example of, of how good Dickinson's footwork is that he can move in the lane down on the block and be able to kind of position himself for rebounds. The second chance opportunities are so important, especially in a game where your shots aren't falling and you need to get two or three offensive rebounds to get a bucket, you know, not his best performance by any means, but one of the more impressive of his young career, he made a huge difference on the boards today. Yeah. And before you even talk about what he was able to do on the boards I think what stands out to me most is what he was able to prevent the other team from doing on the boards. Um, You know, Micah Potter, um, forget the other guy, totally bring Nate Reavers. That's right. Um, Those two guys didn't have a rebound the entire game, not one in the entire game. And, and even though it was a, you know, it was a struggle again, you know, Wisconsin kind of gave Dickinson all he could handle last time too, but he was the first Michigan player since 2004 to have 11 points, 15 rebounds and five blocks in a game. Wow. His work underneath the basket on both ends of the floor. And I know, like I said, we're, we're going to come out of this game talking about how honestly that's an all time. When, when they do the, the senior night video montage of Isaiah livers, yep. this is to me the Isaiah livers game because they, they were only 12 points down in that game because of him. It could have been a lot worse in that first half. This was him kind of willing his team to victory. With that being said, the two biggest plays of the game came in the last, whatever it was, two minutes of the game from Hunter Dickinson. And this is a guy, and, and I love that this goes back to the confident, um, confidence pushing towards cocky, but you know, it's not really. After the game, Hunter Dickinson said, yeah, I mean, let them keep doubling me because if they do that, I'm going to kick it out to another player who's going to either be overseas or in the NBA making a lot of money to play basketball. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, I love that. So it's the 
it's it's almost as if and this team has always had an edge about them but it's almost as if this three weeks you know this wasn't a team sitting around feeling sorry for itself they were kind of foaming at the mouths to get back to it and there's you physically it physically takes time to match that but in order to get there you have to have the work ethic too and those guys let's call it what it was there were no COVID cases in basketball over the last you know, there hasn't been, I don't think this entire season with men's or women's basketball or hockey for that matter. It's that's, that was a team that's pissed off that they had to sit on the sidelines for yeah. three weeks for no reason. And and, and that's, think, you know, there there's political stuff and, you know, we won't go down that road. Right. But fact of the matter is that this is a team that felt, you know, they've had to fight through a lot of adversity, but this is, you know, to pass this test under these circumstances, again, you know, not only to, to charge back and take the lead, but then you put, you know, you keep your foot on the gas and, you know, win by eight. You know, the, the first time these two teams played, Michigan had that whatever it was, 42 to three run. I think the run to end the game today was 42 to 20. So 42 is kind of like the magic number in yeah. uh, in how that works out. But I, I cannot say, and I cannot sing the praises of, you know, this team, um, I, I do have a small nitpick and we can get to that in a sec, but like I said, I mean, they, they, that might be one of the, you know, that's a game to me that goes down and with some of those, uh, those John Beeline wins at Michigan state and things like that. Like this is, that was big time, uh, huge, huge stuff to, uh, on Sunday. This episode is sponsored by better help. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist. And if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. For sure. And, and there's two other guys I, w- I want to hone in on. Uh, one who, w- again, was the unsung hero and one who was just the star. But I, I do want to say, I think that during this run as well, and even with the 23 days off, I think that this there's something about a team, we, we talk about confidence, but I think there's something about a team that detected pretty early on that this thing could be special. And, and I think you are inclined, especially in a season like this, to one, be on your best behavior, to avoid doing stupid stuff, going out, not wearing masks, you know, it, especially in a year like this, you, you know, being safe because they know, similar to kind of Ohio State football, they know there's there's a major, there's a big goal at the end of the tunnel here that they could potentially reach. Like, I think I, I would like to ask that somebody about this one day, but I don't think the 2018 team knew how good they were until maybe the second Michigan state game. Like I, or at least as a fan, I don't remember thinking, I never thought this is a final four team until the big 10 tournament that year. Uh, I, this team early on, we said, all right, there, there's a really high ceiling, how high it is. We don't know. I think we might've found out um, uh, yesterday uh, against Wisconsin, two guys I wanted to hone in on 
Eli Brooks played an awful game offensively. He, he was two for 11 from the floor, but at per usual, the job he did in the second half on Trice was phenomenal. And you look at those last four or five possessions by Wisconsin. Um, they, they were unable to penetrate. They were unable to get good looks. And it was almost entirely uh, based on the fact that at the top of the key, you had a, an absolute ball hawk defensively by Eli Brooks. But you, you mentioned Isaiah Livers. And yeah, this is one of the, it's reminiscent to me of last year, Michigan going to Rutgers and winning at the rack, whereas without, without Livers. And, and that was kind of one of Xavier Simpson's defining moments. This was that for Livers. You know, I, I don't know because his legacy, his legacy is not finished yet, but Isaiah livers, I think will end up being looked back upon as one of the more underappreciated Wolverines ever. Isaiah livers has had a great career at Michigan. Not good. He's been great. One never heard a bad word about the guy ever. I mean, though the worst thing he ever did was got angry at his coach when they were losing to Oakland in the <laughs> second game of the year. I think that's, that's a pretty good look. All things considered uh, the guy he's come off the bench. He started, he's gotten progressively better every single year. And I understand there was a lot of disappointment from people when Josh Christopher and Isaiah Todd fell through and didn't, didn't go to Michigan, but I'm sorry. And today's game, and for most games this year, when they faced adversity, give me the four-year guy who's going to stay aggressive, who's going to keep his composure, who's going to continue to be good defensively when the shots aren't falling, who's going to lead his team as opposed to the one-and-done guy who might pout if he misses a few shots early. I mean, that oh, was a, a I, prime example of him as a player and the kind of leadership that is on this team right now. I've been pounding the table about that for uh, – we've talked about that before here, where right. this team isn't what it is with, with those two guys. It's just not because – College basketball, let's call it what it is. They don't, they're not, their heart's not in this. Isaiah Livers, I mean, that's, that's a guy, and I sound like Chris, uh, Chris Collinsworth here. Now, here's a guy where, <laughs> but uh, he's got to be getting up there in terms of the winning, the, like the winningest players in, in Michigan history. I mean, you think all, all the teams he's been on, the worst team he was on was what, last year's? And, last and year. it looked like they were going to be, you know, they were going to kind of be something there. And he was injured for much of the year. So, like I said, it goes to, you know, you see you see stuff about, oh, Juwan Howard's done a great job surrounding himself with a good coaching staff. But you know what he's done, too, is he's executed a vision where I think that's what you're going to see. Like, this, this recruiting class that they have coming in, and I know this, you know, we could probably talk a whole show on that, but right. what you've seen is a mixture of, you're seeing those five-star guys, the guys who are the pros at the prom, but they fit, you know, the family, you know, they're good kids. And not to say those, those guys that Michigan missed on last year aren't good people, but their priorities are in different spots. Um, they're recruiting good, talented kids who want to win and, and can help you do that right away, mixed with good, talented kids who might, who are going to be here for three or four years. So I, I mean, this isn't, this probably realistically speaking, in terms of high, you know, top tier talent this might be one of the lesser talented. I mean, which is crazy to say they can go 10 deep and, you know, trying to stay away from hot takes here, but this is what I don't think we're done seeing, you know, we need to respect Isaiah livers for what he is. And, and he's going to be a guy who, you know, we talk about one day is one of the, the pillars of the modern era of Michigan basketball, but the way that, that he's, that Juwan Howard has built this thing. I don't think we're done seeing those type of guys, which, you know, some people, they might be a little more like unicorns given the type of talent that's being brought in, 
but um, like I said, just a just special guy, special effort. And this, this is an all that today was five years from now, when you ask me the game, I remember from Isaiah livers at Michigan outside of the ones where the air, the oxygen left my body, where he tried to dunk the ball and hurt himself. Um, this is what I will associate that with. He's, he's class, he's leadership. He is, he is what the last 15 years of Michigan basketball has been completely personified. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. You give me, you give me a basketball team with 12 Isaiah livers on it. You're, you're going to have a, you're going to have a pretty good uh, college basketball team. And it, it also goes back to, cause it's a weird era that we live in with college basketball where yes, you want to have high end talent. You want to get those five-star guys. If you, you do want to have one and done because right? it means you're getting guys who are MBA ready guys the second they get to college. But it's also worth noting in the history of college basketball, and maybe I'm missing one or two. I might be, I can think of two of the two teams of the modern age that won a cha- a national championship with primarily led by freshmen and sophomores, that being Duke in 2015 and Kentucky in 2012 when they had Anthony Davis and were just completely loaded. Other than that, every team that's made deep runs, every team that's won national championships in this sport over the last 25, 30 years has had a fair amount of senior leadership on it. The Villanova teams, the Michigan State when they won it in 2000. I know this team didn't win at all, but the team that knocked off the undefeated Kentucky team in Wisconsin, that was a team loaded with three, four-year players. You have that perfect mixture this year. I mean, I you you said that you had one nitpick uh, that you you wanted to bring up. Did you get to it and I missed it, or was uh, well? Do you remember what it was? Uh, it's it's the nitpickiest of nitpicks. Okay, I, I thought ahead. that we needed to see a little less Austin Davis in the first half. Of this game. I that's really am, I'm with you completely, and I feel like we've seen this multiple times going back to the second Minnesota game. And you know, I mean, I, I don't I don't want to give this guy credit. But one of the first people to point this out was Dockich that they were taking that they were taking him out at kind of weird points. And look, you know what? Austin Davis is an incredibly capable backup center. He's had a good year. He had a good year last year. But it does seem like I don't know if it's a message. I don't know because I, I I don't I don't think there's any sort of you know issue with the relationship at all by any means. But I do think that um, there are moments in which Jawan is maybe a little bit unhappy with Dickinson's maybe lack of aggression on the offensive end. Now we saw in this, whatever he did worked because we saw in the second half, he was the best rebounder on the floor, got a few buckets as well, made a lot of free throws, but yeah, I'm with you there. Cause of you look at the starters and the minutes they played only one Michigan starter in this game played under 30 minutes. And that was Dickinson with 27. Everybody else played 31 or more. Uh, you had Austin Davis playing 13. You know, we one last thing, and I'm just reading this, looking at the box score. You did. I thought that Michigan would play a lot of guys today because you had a lot of guys might not have fresh legs or maybe fresh legs, but you know, don't have their sea legs under them. They haven't played in 23 days. Michigan only played eight guys in this game. You know, we saw no Terrence Williams. We saw no Zeb Jackson. And again, I'm not complaining about that. I am just a little bit surprised. And one of those guys, Brandon, Brandon Johns only played four minutes. So basically you went seven deep in this game and you were still able to, to come out on top. I think it was Juwan realizing that if they were going to win this game, uh, they weren't going to be able to do it with depth. They were going to have to do it with talent. And those, those big three, like you mentioned, were the guys that were able to get it done for him today. Yeah. Like I said, you, in, in times of 
you know, what was the biggest problem with last year's team is that when things got difficult and, and this was exacerbated by when Isaiah livers was out, but even with him there to a certain extent, you didn't really know who that go-to guy in the, the waning moments of, or someone who's going to, who, who's going to be that guy that brings you back right. uh, that helps you dig out of a hole. And, you know, a lot of the faces are the same this year, but this year, I think they have a couple of those guys. It, 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 you know, it can be Isaiah Livers and Franz Wagner. It can be Hunter Dickinson when those opportunities present themselves. We've seen Shondi Brown take over games. We've seen Mike Smith have opportunities and, and, and do some things there. So I think that, and I struggle, you know, I don't want to use this term. It's such a cliche, that alpha dog mentality. Right. I think the, the biggest difference between this year and last year is that I think a lot of those guys have been given the license to, and they know what they're capable of. Whereas last year, just, it just felt like a continuous exercise of building self-confidence and taking a couple steps back and then taking a few steps forward and a step back. And, you know, like I said, they were, I think 10 and 10 in conference place. So the record kind of reflected that uh, as a whole, but like I said, you, you empower your leaders, you empower your stars and you give them you give them the green light to, Hey, I'm not, there's no reins put on you. If there's plays to be made, make them and, and get your teammates involved. If, if not, and I, I'm just it, starting to get sound redundant here, but I'm just so impressed by not only how it, it's one thing that they're deep and they're well coached, but there's, there's truly not a single guy on the roster, not one who is worried about getting his or has that ego where, you know, maybe he gets pulled out of the game and he starts pouting or, you know, he lags on defense because someone didn't pass him the ball the other, the other end of the floor. I just think it's a special group. It's, it's good to see that three week, the three weeks off. I mean, there could still be some things that happen out of that. Sometimes it's the second game coming off of a layoff. That is the one to kind of circle and they'll get Rutgers next on Thursday at home. Be nice for them to play at home again. But you know, the big test is, the biggest test to date you know, on, you, when you go back and look at the schedule and how it's all played out is going to be a week from Sunday when they or yeah. this coming Sunday, when they play at Ohio state, that's, you know, we talk about how important that game is in football and it hasn't gone that way, but you know, Michigan has struggled there in recent years too. So like right. I said, that's um, to me, Michigan remains clearly the best team in the big 10. I, I know, uh, I think they're in that class with Gonzaga and Baylor just because I don't think those teams are great, but they haven't played anyone. I think Michigan has done a lot of what they've done in one of the toughest conferences in the country and, and really playing a schedule of games where outside of those first five, you could get popped on any given night. Right. And I think there's value in that. And I think that's going to pay off some major dividends for them moving forward. Yeah. Look, Gonzaga is great there and Baylor is great, but there have been those years where I've felt like Michigan's ceiling was only a certain point. I didn't feel too good going into the 2018 Villanova game because I knew that Villanova was a world beater. I'm not saying Michigan would run Gonzaga out of the gym. They wouldn't at all. In fact, they, you play that game 10 times, they might lose six or seven of them. But I know they can. I know that this team on their best day is capable of competing with and maybe beating Almost anybody. And the, the last, or maybe just be anybody, period. The, the last point um, I will make, 
and I and I I lost. Sorry, I lost my train of thought here. Maybe you can cut this out if you want. <laughs> no, I'm leaving it. No, we'll see. <laughs> Are you serious? Okay, Damn no, just get it back. We got this. No, yeah, no, no, I'll get it back here in a second. Oh, shit. The people love vulnerability. They love the inside baseball stuff. Well, yeah, well, I got, I got, I got plenty of that. Oh, <laughs> Same. Right? No. Okay, I'm getting, I'm gonna get it back. It's all right. You got this. All right. Salient point. It was salient point. Um, confidence. I've done this a lot lately and I've had to edit it out. I'm going back through my, my internet thing to see if I missed what I missed. Okay. Yes. All right. Here we go. The reason we're so impressed today. I mean, I, and I've been impressed with this team from the beginning, but the biggest reason why uh, I'm so fired up is because I, I knew at some point, and I'm not saying this team isn't capable of, you know, stumbling in a, in a winner take all game or win winner go home game. Every team is, but at some point in every season, even every championship season, even some sometimes things will go sideways. And I've been waiting because everything's gone so well. I've been waiting for that other, other shoe to drop. I thought maybe it'd be a loss. I thought maybe it'd be an injury. We haven't had many of those knock on wood a million times. Things did go sideways. They didn't play a game for 23 days and they went on the road and they were down by 14 and they put together about as gutsy an effort as uh, you're going to see. I just, yeah, I, you know, we, we are every bit as capable of, of heaping a whole pile of praise onto a team as we are of, of heaping a, a whole pile of negativity onto a team. And uh, with the way this team has played, I said it last week, I will believe in them until I don't with each passing win against, against ranked teams. I mean, it's not like they're like last year that their biggest win, maybe going on the road and beating Rutgers. I mean, they're doing this against top 15 teams, top 20 teams, teams that were favored to go to the final or, you know, go to the final four, make deep runs in the tournament. Just awesome what they're doing. And yeah, that was a, that was really a pleasant surprise what uh, this team did on Sunday, but maybe, I don't know, maybe we're reaching a point where we shouldn't be surprised because they've, they've checked off all the boxes through 15 games a season. Yeah. And the thing of it is too, like if they had lost and, and the second 20 minutes of basketball looked like the first 20, I'm probably, you know, we talk about some concerns we have, but sure. I'm, I'm, I don't feel all that different about them given what they had been through. Um, if they played a full 40 minutes, like the second half and they blew Wisconsin out again, we're probably having the same conversation, but I think what makes this one hit just a little bit differently is because of the Jekyll and Hyde nature of that. The two halves were, Yeah, and it came after such a long time off. And it's like all of these things you're worried about, you see them start playing out, but it's not over yet. And you, that's what, you know, it's just an example of, the Twitter freakouts, the you know, um, people, people rallying to march back to the the Michigan State Capitol to riot over why Michigan basketball was shut down for three weeks, right. like those type of you know, basketball is a forty minute game, just like football is a sixty minute game. Um, so you just watch it, you let it play out, and again, I think I've said what I can say about just how impressed I, I am about what we what we were witnesses to on Sunday afternoon and they're going to lose some games uh, probably before the regular season's over. They might, you know, everything that's going on right now is so you don't lose games in March. So you're best prepared for March madness and it's going to be crazy and different this year, but this team is, has handled every challenge that's been thrown its way. and, And short of the season being shut down, I'm confident in their chances on any given day against any team that they could match up against. 
and they're gonna they're gonna play a lot of games here over the next few weeks. And yeah, they, there it, are reschedulings it, coming. Yeah, and it it will drain them. And, and that you know, I think at full health, you know, at full capacity, yes, I think this is a team that can be that will beat prob- maybe every team that's on their schedule or possibly until March. Um, but yeah, there's they're they they will hit something of a wall at, at some point. It's just as well conditioned as they are, as confident as they are. You do, you will get to a point where just you're just tired, and in circumstances like these, um, that kind of makes sense. It's a season unlike any other, but overall, you know, got to enjoy it for what it is right now. And maybe it's Valentine's Day, and we're just feeling the love. But uh, I mean, a lot, a lot of love to be had for what uh, Juwan Howard's crew. Cupid's arrow shot right into our, uh, right into the side of us today. The, the, the collective hearts, basketball, the collective hearts of the Maze and Brew faithful. Yes, <laughs> uh, Anthony, where can we find you on social media, bud? You can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. You can find the website at Maze and Brew on Twitter, um, Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, working on getting the Google thing ironed out. Uh, talked about that in the last show we did. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good to be back here uh, doing basketball shows. We we won't have it. I mean, you don't you don't realize what you what you had until it's gone. So I miss getting, you know, talking yeah. hoops with you and uh and do it on that stuff. So again, appreciate everyone for listening. Leave us a, a nice five-star review, say good things about us. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep doing what we do and repay the favor the best we can. For sure. At Castellani 2014, you know, you know, the drill I've talked about on here, talked about on lockdown enough. I'm working. Maybe I'll be back at some point, but I have my other show as well at locked on tigers. Uh, you can follow that on Twitter uh, at Locked on Tigers, and you can find that wherever podcasts can be found. Like you said, uh, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever. And uh, also, uh, go to iTunes, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a positive written review for uh, Maze and Brew as well. We like hearing uh, some of that feedback. I believe recently uh, we've gotten some some positive ones, so I appreciate all of you doing that. We will be right back here. I mean, you'll be hearing from the two of us on Tuesday when we record the Brewcast, but this show in its uh, current form will return next Monday. Thank you very much for tuning in. Everybody have a great rest of your week.